Pam Kaplinski. Should I sing? I think I'm going to sing this entire podcast. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> that reminds me of a film called Hoodwink. Do you ever see it? I don't think I did. Hoodwink. It was just Goofy's uh, cartoon I, with yeah. a little red riding hood. Yeah. Okay. There's a goat who's cursed by a, wo- by a witch and can only sing. Aww. And sings everything it says, and it's absolutely <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> See, I was thinking I could have been on Spirited, which I really enjoyed. And if you haven't seen Spirited on Apple TV, it is streaming now. Fun movie filled with people who can't sing. <laughs> it, it, and I noticed that it's playing locally here in uh, Bloomington. Oh, is it? And I noticed, noticed this past week, they changed it. It's a sing-along version. <gasps> Oh, how fun. So it's too bad you didn't know. Oh, that's to okay. To go and, you know. I've got I gas in the car. It, it might still be going. You can clear the theater. There we go. <laughs> People demanding a refund. <laughs> and I knew it was a sing-along, but Jesus Christ. <laughs> Not with her. Nobody said Pam Powell was coming to this thing. <laughs> I don't think there's any singing in the two uh, movies we're, we're going to talk about today. No, there's mm. not. Yeah. One of them from... Arguably, I don't think it's arguably, uh, the most significant Hollywood film director in the past 50 years. Right. Uh, and then another that uh, is a very, very expensive proposition. <laughs> Let's just say that. Let's start with uh, Mr. Spielberg. Yeah. You know, I, I read an article the other day in the New York Times, and they were talking about what a disaster this Thanksgiving has been mm-hmm. at the box office. Uh, I, did you see that article as well? I did. They were talking about tar. Uh, they were talking about uh, the Fablemans, a couple of other art films that usually at this point in the year gain traction. People go out and see them because they want to be ready for Oscars and all the other awards things. And they're talking about how they the all these films of this sort of bombed horribly, and trying to come up with a reason for this. Um, and there's many reasons I think I don't think we've recovered from COVID. Uh, the audience for this older liberals they don't want to get out and get no. sick. I might as well stay at home. And it's interesting that Universal has had the Fablemans out for about a month in big cities, and now it's also available at home through Which POV. Is crazy to me. They have pivoted. They're trying to salvage this thing. They're trying to get some eyes on it and to think that an autobiography of Steven Spielberg would have trouble. Getting people to see it is astounding to me. I mean, there are no dinosaurs or killer sharks in here. I get it. But still, it's a St- Spielberg film, and I would think that the interest would have been there. So it, th- that's, a, a, I think, a, a very bad sign as far as the state of, of Hollywood movies uh, and where we're at with this. Well, given, given the fact that you are our, our, history, or our cinema history person, why don't you give us a little synopsis about what The Fablemans is about? <laughs> the Fablemans is about uh, a young man named Sammy Fableman, Steven Spielberg, uh, <laughs> who uh, loves movies. Loves, loves, loves movies. And the opening scene is uh, his mom and dad, played by Paul Dano and Michelle Williams, taking him to a movie, the greatest show on earth, uh, the Cecil B. DeMille extravaganza. And they prepare him for this. They tell him about what he's going to see and what the experience is like. And he is dazzled by this thing. And again, as I have talked about before, this whole notion of the communal feeling of seeing a movie in a theater, he captures this beautifully in the film. The wonder and magic of that. And and this little boy who plays the young Sammy, um, I think his name is Matteo Zorian. Uh, No, you're mixing that. Gabriel, Gabriel LaBelle. Okay, okay. That's the younger version? Yes. 
No, no, no. That's uh, the young. Okay, you're right. The little kid. The little kid. Yeah, yeah the yeah. little with those big blue eyes. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, he is incredible. And you know, Steven Spielberg being able to elicit this awe and wonder and innocence of seeing a movie for the first mm-hmm. time. Um, is incredible. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Although I didn't know if he was being traumatized at first. It was like, oh. He, he is, yeah, boy, the, the reaction. Yeah, is... and, and some of the things that he works out in creating his own train set in his film mm-hmm. is almost working out that trauma. Well, and I, that's the other thing that I loved about this whole thing is the he captures the overwhelming nature of the film mm-hmm. and seeing it on a big screen, mm-hmm. screen and, and, and that because... You know, you and I have seen films at the Virginia here in town, and I mean that screen is huge, yeah, and yeah. I mean it it can be overwhelming, and it's supposed to be that way. Yeah. You're not supposed to watch a movie on your tablet, damn it. Or your phone? No. <laughs> anyway, back to the Fablemans. Yes, uh, Sammy gets a little older. He is then played by Gabriel gotcha. Lavelle, uh, and his and his eyes turn to brown. They do. It happens. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and he has become. A passion about film. He's become obsessed by film. He buys and he hectors his father to get him uh, the latest Super 8 or, or 60 millimeter camera. He's making films with his Boy Scout troop and high school people. Innovative stuff. War movies. Westerns. I mean, whatever he can come up with. And as this is going on, his family is falling apart. Uh, his uh, mom uh, is uh, having an affair with his father's best friend, played by Seth Rogen. And this is something, and this actually happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is something that Sammy realizes when he accidentally films them together while they're on a camping trip. And he realizes that they're more than just friends and how this affects him. Uh, in many ways, I thought this film was about mom more than anyone. Uh, Michelle Williams is... is really? Is, it, really, yeah. It, it's, it, I, it's about her not being happy. It's about her the feeling of discontent that she has being trapped i think as a housewife and not being able to realize her potential as a a, a pianist mm-hmm. uh living in the shadow of her husband played by paul dano who apparently uh this guy spielberg's dad was a computer genius right, right. way ahead of the curve on right. a lot of things that we take for granted now and uh he is portrayed as a workaholic who puts his job before his family um so i mean it's it's interesting I'm sure that this was an interesting piece of therapy therapy for Spielberg. I know that, you know, when my parents broke up, you know, and I was 16 and 17, how I saw things. Mm -hmm. And then as you go back and you think about it, as you get older, how you see things completely differently. You know, and and that's, I think, a large part of this film as well. Uh, The movie's too long. Mm -hmm. By about a half hour. It's self-indulgent. There are stretches where it's dull. But obviously, Mr. Spielberg has earned the right to do whatever he wants. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I think. Okay. Uh, the last scene, if you know anything about film, is the highlight. The absolute highlight. And that's a true story, too. Uh, apparently, Mr. Spielberg, as a teenager, met John Ford, the great cantankerous filmmaker, and gets some great advice yeah. <laughs> from the director, uh, even though it is delivered in uh, not the nicest way. And of course, another film reference, John Ford was played by, in this film, by David Lynch, of all people, right. who couldn't be more different than John Ford if you tried. So, Fablemans, I thought, was a bit of a mixed bag. I'm glad I saw it, but unlike many Spielberg films, I doubt I will go back and see it again. I know that I will not go back and see this one again. 
Um, I feel like, as, as I referenced in our last podcast, um, this movie also bites off more than it can chew. I feel like it actually put an entire steak in your mouth and tried to chew it all at one time. I can understand that. It was just too much. I, there's a lot going on. There, there's too much going on. And I feel like it could have been told in a different style or format. Could they have done flashbacks from the adult Spielberg or the adult Fableman boy? And, you know, how he got to where he is and going back in time and flip-flopping back and forth. Just when you say that, that now it refer- that referenced in my mind Tree of Life. Okay. With Sean yeah, Penn yeah. flashing back to yeah. his childhood as a boy with the Brad Pitt parent. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been an interesting approach. Um, I, I think that we would have gotten a little bit more out of it. I think that uh, Mitzi, the Michelle Williams character, there wasn't enough to make me have any kind of empathy or understanding for her and why was she so unhappy and why was she why did she gravitate towards Seth Rogen's character of Benny and then she gets a monkey and names it Benny she goes off the deep end yeah. is there is she does she have some mental illness going on is what else is going on i needed more to that, understand her and that whole aspect and everything you're saying is right that whole aspect reminded me of another film we liked from a couple years ago wildlife yeah. With Carrie yeah, yeah, Mulligan. Yeah, yeah, a very yeah. much a similar situation. Paul Dano again. Yeah. He directed that. But that that that, that reference that, that ref- reminded me of that as well. And you're right. You, she does need to be fleshed, fleshed out, out a bit more. Yeah. But then again, I guess we have to take into account who's telling the story. And this is what he saw and how he interpreted it. And right. I guess we have to take that into account. It's a story that we need to be able to relate to and understand. And as a master storyteller that Spielberg is I'm surprised that I'm having these issues with this film. He has to have been too close to the material. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. This could have been a great 10-part miniseries. Oh, completely. This would have been a better miniseries because then we could have explored all these characters a little bit more. Why um, Why did Dad become a workaholic? Was he always a workaholic? It seems like he was very interested in how his children were being raised, but there was always a competition between Mom and Dad for the uh-huh. children's attention. And he comes off very sympathetic. Dad does, yeah. I thought. Yeah. Um, I just needed more about everybody and the two grandmas and then the uncle coming Judd in. Hirsch Judd Hirsch steals the film. He does. One scene, but boy, he, yeah. he runs with it. Great great scene. Um, way too long. I agree. Because of all these issues. And I think it spins its wheels in parts and becomes, as you said, kind of boring in, in some areas. Um, I am not watching it again. <laughs> well, you know, initially everyone said this was the front runner for Best Picture and Oscar. It's not that way anymore. Yeah, and I think they base that just on who was involved, and 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 there is no clear front runner at this point. I don't think there is either. Uh, I think I know what it's going to be, but that could be self serving in my. Uh, but we'll talk about that later. But yeah, it's all up in the air at yeah, this point. Yeah, I would agree. So. Now, as far as the other film that we're going to talk yeah. about, was there too much there? We're talking about Glass Onion, right? right? Is there too much there? <laughs> no, I don't think there's too much there. There is, I think, but it, they can handle. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, Glass Onion. And, and if you are a Knives Out fan from a couple of years ago, you are going to love Glass Onion. In fact, there are several people that have watched this movie who didn't love Knives Out and really love Glass Onion. I don't get it. Um, I'm not sure. I don't quite understand that either. Yeah. I know two people that didn't love Knives Out. I don't understand that. I don't know why you're this, still talking to them. This is, this is a, well, one is my daughter. Well, I, really well, I guess you got to talk to her. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this is, this is a, it's not really a sequel, no. if you will. It's just another story in the Knives Out murder mystery series, if you will. 
and it takes place in Greece with a um, led by a man who invites uh, every all of his old timey friends to a weekend adventure where they solve a murder mystery at his private island. This is Miles Braun, and that is played by, um, I'm blanking on his name. Edward he, Norton, your he, favorite actor. I know, he really kind of pissed me off. <laughs> um, whatever, Pam. Anyway, Miles Braun invites all of his friends, um, Birdie, played by Kate Hudson, Duke, played by Dave Bautista, Andy, Janelle Monet, Claire is played by Katherine Hahn, Leslie Odom Jr. is Lionel, and Whiskey is played by Madeline Klein. This is an eclectic group of people, but they all are basically sucking on the titties of, of Miles Braun. Which, which is what they say. Is what they say. They're disruptors, you know. They are disruptors. disruptors they are disruptors. Yeah. Um, <laughs> apparently, Miles Braun is this, this major innovator, and he is basically the richest man in the world, and he is a bit of an amalgam of all these other basically douchebags that are running the yes. country <laughs> um and uh they are there to solve a mystery of his quote-unquote murder well turns out that our our famous benoit blanc played by Dan daniel craig is inadvertently invited to this murder mystery as well why is he there we're not quite sure he really wasn't invited but hey if you have the and i'm going to put air quotes around this pre pre-definitive what is it pre-definitive uh-huh um, detective in the world. Uh, lots of those malprophisms <laughs> throughout the entire movie. And there's a reason what's, I can't remember because they're not real. What's the other one you mentioned about breathing? Embreathiate. Embreathiate. <laughs> we have to embreathiate before we start the experience. Um, so <laughs> where was I with this? Anyway, they, they have this, he's this, coming fam in, he's this famous sleep. detective who's mm. going to solve this little mystery. Well, turns out this little mystery isn't the mystery that needs to be solved. It's something much bigger than that. Um, this is just one twist and turn after another. This is fun. This is funny. This is um, has unexpected twists and turns. Um, it's not quite as mysterious, I think, as the very first one, and it's not quite as funny as the first one. But this is still a lot of fun. Yeah, and I, I agree. I don't think it's as good as the first one, but it's funny. You and I have both said that it gets better. Mm -hmm. The more you watch it, I mean, we've both seen it more than once. I think have you seen it three times, four three times. four times? Yeah. You know, and and uh, if you if you know who did it and you keep going back, that's to Ryan Johnson's credit that you the writing is the there. writing is there. Yeah. The characters are there. I think he has a more obvious axe to grind here. Uh, I think the the, right. the common commonality in both the films have been classism. Uh, you know, in the first film, you have the maid inheriting everything right and oh my god that's not supposed to happen right. and all the rich you know people who are supposed to get it are, are, are panicked here of course he's going after you know the elon musks of the world the one percenters the self-absorbed uh, uh people uh and this this is not unlike the menu another film that we right. loved as far as deflating you know the pomposity that surrounds certain people did i just make up I, a word i think you did pomposity? i was just gonna call you out on that i don't think so. I don't know. i'm looking that up that might be a word um <laughs> And, and a great scene here at the end in which uh, all of Miles' stuff is laid to waste. Right. You know, I love that. And, and, and I just think there's something in the air about this one uh, that because it, it's a bit more serious, I think, than the first one, which makes it not as much fun. Right. Not that it's worse. I'm not saying that. Right. I just different. think that the, the tone and intention is a little bit different. Right. Something, something else that really stands out with this one is Janelle Monae. Oh, she's great. She's great. 
She is, she steals this. Yeah, every scene she's in. You know, she is incredible in this. And she takes on some personalities that are different than uh-huh. I had expected. And I'm and not giving anything away. I would away. say, once you know yeah. the twist with her, you yeah. really are impressed with yeah. her. Yeah, yeah, well done. Well done, Janelle Monáe. And what a sweetheart. Oh, she was so sweet when we talked to her. Um, giving of her time and and really listening and having a conversation and never feeling like, you're overloading her or yeah as or though you were imposing yeah. yeah thank yeah, I, you I, janelle i think she's the front runner for the best supporting actress oscar and i hope she gets it yeah and it, it would not it would be well deserved because as you say she steals this film yep. uh and when you look at all the heavyweights there to say that that's something right and it was interesting because even though you know blanc is the the connecting thread between the two movies at times, at long stretches, he takes a back seat right. to everything that's going on. He's an observer. Yes. He's not part of it. He's an observer trying to figure out how things are are happening and, and what's who's behind what. Yeah. So I like that they did that. And then he'll come in and then he right. explains it all yeah, to us. Yeah. You know, One of the highlights, the funniest things, and one of the funniest things is when he does explain the, you know, the supposed <laughs> murder, uh, right. you know, that, that it, they were there to, you know, he, how simplistic it is and how stupid it is. Stupid. And, it's yeah, just it's stupid. stupid you know? It's so stupid, it's brilliant. No, it's just <laughs> stupid. stupid. <laughs> yeah, so, so that was great. But, you know, and we've talked many times about how enjoyable it is to see a performer enjoying themselves. Right. And obviously Craig is having a blast in this role. And whenever I see him in this, I also always think of uh, Logan Lucky. Yes. And his performance there as the Southern convict. Right. Uh, he loves those accents. He has a good time with those. And uh, it, it's just a blast watching him uh, uh, do his thing. And, you know, this is what you want because Netflix is on the hook. I should have said Ryan Johnson's on the hook for another one of these mysteries with this two character. More, two more. Two more. So, uh, you know, it's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to leave us wanting more. And I certainly do. Yeah. You know, you know there's, I, I actually took notes on my phone on this one because there are so many funny little things that I want to remember, like this, this one quote. Um, don't, uh, let's see. Speaking, don't mistake speaking without thought and speaking the truth. It's a dangerous thing to mistake. And he says that to Bertie. And she says, so you think I'm dangerous? <laughs> yeah, it goes right over <laughs> oh, oh, by the way, pomposity is a word. Oh, fuck. Okay, good yeah. job, good job. Predefinite detective, that's it. Pre-de- Predefinite <laughs> detective. Um, and then Bushmi. Right, 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 right. With a Jared Leto yeah. kombucha. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just really in vain, glorious buffoon. I mean, just it's just, there are tons and, and tons of fun little And some things. cool cameos throughout right. uh, that I don't want to talk about because they're, they're just pleasant surprises. Yeah. Including a, an actor who apparently really likes uh, hot sauce. Yes, there is one of those. And apparently there is. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that one starts on Netflix uh, on the 23rd this week. Good. Uh, so yeah, and it's going to be cold. In a good chunk of the country, especially yes. around here. So, good movie to curl up under a blanket and check out on Netflix. Very good. Thanks for listening. Please share, and we'll save you a seat.